Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. I'm Bullhagen. And I'm Berg. And welcome to the Clerical Errors Podcast. Where we show you what's behind the collar. So how you doing, Berg? I'm living the dream. It's been a couple weeks since we recorded. Yeah, has it really? Yeah. It's only been a week, hasn't it? Well, we didn't record last week. That's true. So I had strep throat. So oh boy, that's no fun. Yeah, but I'm fine now. So there's a medicine. super awesome cremation burial one on there. Yeah, done by somebody that we know and respect. Mm-hmm. So you know, you well, at go least we know him. One. Right? <laughs> 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 so Just kidding. Share that with your friends. <laughs> um, I do take honorariums and speaking engagements. So. Oh yes. Well, I brought the drink. You did. Yes. I thought we'd be a little more cultured today because there's all these episodes, right? About 30, close to 30. I know. We're getting we're getting up there, man. We're getting up there. And uh, guess how many times we've had wine? Zero? Zero. Yeah. yeah. The closest we had was- uh, The sake? The, the sake. That's where we learned about uh, Vicar 15.0, who likes to drink his out of a wooden box with his wife. That's true. On their honeymoon. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Vicar 16.0, do you have any honeymoon stories? (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) So today I I brought a little wine. I just got it because it kind of, I thought it was an interesting label. That's how much I know wine. Okay. Right. It's called, it's from a company called 19 Crimes. That sounds amazing. And, uh, the name of it is a, is a life sentence. Look at that. Ah, that looks awesome. What kind? What what kind of wine? It is, is this? a Cabernet Sauvignon. <laughs> oh boy, we are really classing it up here tonight. Holy buckets! I might have pronounced that incorrectly. <laughs> so, is this like an Iowa wine, or is this? This uh, is uh, because we've got some I we've got some uh, Iowa uh. Some Iwegian vineyards around here, so you know we should maybe take advantage of those in the future. Well, the label says here that uh, 19 crimes turned criminals into colonists. Upon convictions, the British rogues guilty of at least one of the 19 crimes were sentenced to live in Australia rather than death. So I'm guessing it's an Australian okay. wine, not a Georgian one, because you know Georgia was a penal colony as well. Uh, I think it's Australia. Okay. Yes. Usually those were for debtors' colonies, so it puts a whole new spin on the thing. You know, you won't get out till you pay the last penny. <laughs> the revised standard version probably says, you know, or you'll get sent to Australia. So, and I, Vicar, I have a couple of cups by that, that sweet uh, Concordia Publishing House book in that yellow bag there next to my swag bag I still have out. That's true. That was an awesome episode, by the way, so... Hey, uh, so while you're, you know, trying to figure this out, gerrymander this, we should talk about the text <laughs> for this coming Sunday. So, Vicar, what uh, you're up? So, what's uh, what's going on? So, we're on Trinity 16, and our gospel text is Luke chapter 7, verses. Oh, that was awesome. Peter, make that better. <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice sound. Got some nice. By the way, we got some nice plastic cups. We're gonna look like a cup some soccer moms at a campsite. With our awesome minivans. Mm. So we've got the text that Jesus uh, raises the widow's son 
uh, at the town of Nain. The, the widow is uh, following her son, son's funeral processional out of the city gate. And Jesus is bringing a great crowd with him. And there's this great collision at the city gate of Nain with death and the author of life. And Jesus uh, has compassion on the widow and raises her son. I think my favorite thing is what he tells. Okay, so he has compassion on this widow. And what does he tell her to do? Do not weep. That's a great compassionate thing to say, right? <laughs> That's right. Uh, makes us kind of wonder what Jesus is doing there. Uh, but certainly, it's the beginning of a miraculous removal of grief. Uh, by, by the words, do not weep, uh, Jesus stops the tears of the woman. And, and those words can't be heard without seeing what Jesus does next, which is touching the coffin, standing in the way of the procession and saying, Death, you can't go any further. Uh, arise, young man, uh, and he gives the young son to his mother. So are you singing uh, Christ Jesus Lay in Death Strung Bands? <laughs> we are not. Boo. Vicar. <laughs> fail. You need some You need some bigger updates, I think. <laughs> Agreed. That, that is, wasn't that one of our power hymns? It, it was, and that is like the power ballad of Lutheranism right there. So uh, why don't you take a sip and you could, what are you preaching for, on about that text? Uh, uh, talking. Man, it is just so. Now this is a nice, really dark red wine. It's just got a beautiful smell to it. Mm. That's not bad. No, it's good and tannic. It's not too sweet. I don't, I don't like the sweet s- stuff so much, so this it's, is good. It's the truth. So, yeah, um, and it's great that you mentioned the city gates because I actually, uh, that's what I'm focusing on here in this sermon is that Jesus, uh, you know, and I'm focusing on the city gates as um, kind of the motif of a lot of different things. So Jesus meets us at the gates of earthly security. So I start with uh, Cain because Cain is the one who builds the first city, right? Because he doesn't trust in the promises of God. He doesn't trust that, uh, God, that God's mark will actually do it for him, right? And he builds the city and names it after his son because he desires uh, immortality apart from Christ. He desires biological immortality through his children and also an everlasting monument to his hubris, right? And we do the same thing. We build up our earthly securities. We focus brick by brick. We build up this fortress around ourselves, try to protect ourselves with things like life insurance and um, 401k is, um, we worry about all this stuff that really doesn't in the end matter. And death puts a stop to it. And Jesus meets us here at the uncertainty of death. Yeah. Second part is Jesus meets us at the city gates of, um, of transactions and, uh, judgment because the city gates were, was where, uh, Abraham bought a tomb for his wife. This is where, um, Boaz, uh, Mary was going to marry Ruth, right? And became her kinsman redeemer. The city gates was a place of judgment uh, where you were supposed to bring a rebellious son, right? And here, Jesus meets them at the city gates, the place of judgment and transaction, and he buys this young man back with his own blood. He, uh, he marries his church, in a sense here, right? Becoming her kinsman redeemer. Um, he is the one who takes our judgment upon himself at the city gates. And finally, um, Jesus meets us at the gates of hell, Right? That mm-hmm. we will not, that the gates of hell will not overcome the church, mm-hmm. and he builds for us a better city. He brings us to the gates of heaven, 
which are talked about in, Ro in uh, Revelation chapter 21, which are of a single pearl, right? And so, you know. Uh, Vicar, do you want to change your sermon now? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. For next year. <laughs> so that's the thing. I mean, it just goes to show you that even the smallest thing in the Bible, um, you know, for people complain about the, you know, the historic lectionary guys, the one-year lectionary guys, well, you just hear the same text over and over and over and over and over again. And it's just like, no, if you get bored with the Bible, that's your own fault. Because there's even these small little things in the right. text um, ha are just are full of so much meaning. Um, and there are so many places where you can go in the Bible for this um, and uh, and still be, you know, faithful to the text, right? right? That's, that's one thing I, I, I told you, Vicar, isn't it? That uh, remember, someone has to preach this text in a year, so you don't have to bring up everything about the text. That's right. So That's right. All right. Well, you know, I, I must say I've been kind of busy. I was sick last week. I didn't have a top 12 list, but I was also distracted, Berg. Oh, boy. Because uh, we've got this answering machine at the Talks and Tasting Studios, and, and someone just keeps calling it and leaving messages. First of all, how did they get our phone number? That, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that seems pretty retro. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, we've got email. We've got... But once you hear it, you, you might think maybe he might struggle with the Twitter or the TikTok. Oh, right. You yeah. know? What, yeah, what is TikTok again? Peter. This is like for the eight-year-olds, We were right? going to do... We were going to become the pioneers of TikTok, weren't oh, we, Peter? Oh, that's right. Man, I'll be honest. I downloaded TikTok, and I couldn't figure it out. No. Well, <laughs> well, if our producer can't do it, I mean, <laughs> maybe we maybe we need a a more hip producer. Maybe we ought to eat this one. You'll be hearing from my lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I've got these phone messages, and uh, why don't we just take them one by one and and see what happens? All right. All right. Sounds. And it's awesome. all the same. You know, I've got a whole bunch of others. He just keeps calling and calling. And how can I do a top twelve list? If I have to go through all these messages. No doubt. So, uh, here we go. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Pastor Bullhagen, uh, I heard you talking in the other one of your podcasts about the most manly translation. And I just want you to know I object to that kind of language. Because I know somebody who tells it like it is. I know someone who's vehement when somebody says something crazy. I know someone who's relentless in defending the gospel. And that most manly person, the most manly person I know, is a woman. It happens to be my wife. And no one dare mess with her. I remember in Proverbs it says, A godly woman is one who laughs at the future, presumably while her man is biting his fingernails in the in the corner. So uh, uh, anyhow, that's that's how I'm feeling about that. So, uh, <laughs> well, you know, well, first of all, we at Clerical Errors podcast listener would like to to compliment you on your manly wife. <laughs> Indeed, that's well, that's yeah. I, <laughs> you took the words right out of my mouth, man. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I did. You know, I, I would hate to say that he sounded a little triggered by that, but uh, that's the kind of world we live in, man. 
But uh, yeah, thank you for your comment. Uh, and uh, you want to hear the, the next one here? Please. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. I heard you and Pastor Berg talk about which translation is the best. Now, you know what my pastor told me? He said, every pastor in our synod is required to learn Greek and Hebrew, the languages of the New and Old Testament. So the pastors know the original, so they don't have to guess which is the best translation. They don't know everything about Hebrew and Greek, but they can tell enough to know which English translation is being the most faithful to the text. And uh, so why argue about which English version is the best when you and Pastor Berg both have the original? You know, my pastor, I pressed him one time on what's the, which English translation is to be preferred. And you know what he told me? He said when he was at the seminary, they surveyed all the profs on the campus, all the professors, and they asked them which version uh, was your preferred one. And there was one version that got more votes than all the other versions combined. And that was the Revised Standard Version. I looked at my Bible, they were copyrighted 1946 and 1971. So anyhow, uh, uh, now I heard you guys talking about which is the best translation. And you seem to be grasping a little bit, but it seemed like you said the King James Version and not the modern ones was the best. You know, I went through this when I was a, when I was a growing up. When I was a kid, but I thought about these things anyway. Uh, I really did. When I was growing up, you know what the pastor did? He thought it was his job to translate the King James into English. And I was thinking, oh, great. Me now I need to know Chaucer, whatever his name is, in order to understand the Bible. And then there's a new King James version out. So now I have to know modernized Chaucer before I can understand the Bible. So I don't get what you guys are driving at. Maybe we're still pushing for the most manly translation, I heard this one guy say. All right. Well, okay. Okay. Any reaction, Berg? Um, well, it'd be great if if the only translation we had to have was no translation at all and Right. And just read from the Hebrew and the Greek. I mean, is that what Luther originally wanted? Yeah, I think so. That, uh, you know, we would be doing our services in Greek and Hebrew. By the, by the way, the the top 12 list was top 12 passages that were epic in the King James Version. I don't necessarily remember saying that that was the best translation. Point I, of clarification. Yeah. Huh. So. So what, what do you know about Chaucer? Huh. <laughs> Well, actually, on the uh, on a different podcast called the History of the In of English, um, it's interesting how how Chaucer uh, really informs. <laughs> pardon me, um, Middle English, and um, actually writes his Canterbury Tales, um, because during that time uh, we were getting a lot of loan words in from um, France, because three hundred years before he had the the Norman Conquest, right, and so French was the was the court language for 300 years. And so it's interesting because Chaucer actually uses a lot of these French loan words for his more noble characters like the knight and uh, the abbess. Um, but then he actually uses different English dialects uh, for some of his other characters, which is kind of neat. So, 
Yeah, but but getting back to the, the what what he was. But yeah, the King James is actually early modern English, and Middle English is very very different. Um, so from yeah, but yes, we would we would agree that pastors should know their Greek and the Hebrew, and their Latin and their and German. their Latin and their German. So so, uh, but I appreciate your point, and uh, we'll have to we'll have to look at that translation a little more. <laughs> all right we got another message are you ready for this one now now peter um i think uh these are getting a little long can you do me a favor when you uh play these for me okay can you uh can you add the real talk to this one <laughs> that's what he's doing isn't it yeah i mean you know it's pretty rad <laughs> okay all right i, I just kind of want i, I want to see uh berg's reaction when when he hears this one at the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Real talk. And I heard Pastor Berg talking about it, but I had to leave and I couldn't hear the whole thing. But he seemed to be leaning in the direction of uh, the preferred manner of Barry. And I'm thinking, what the first thing that dumped into my mind, you know the martyrs who died for their Christian faith? They didn't have a choice on how they were to be buried. And I thought to myself, with that perspective, does it really matter how they were disposed of after they were, uh, after they were died for the Christian faith? In fact, I learned a little joke about this, Pastor Bogan. You want to hear it? A guy asked me, what do I think of cremation? And I said, I'm Lutheran, and I don't think anybody should earn his way into heaven. <laughs> Hey, get it, Pastor? <laughs> you earn, earn your way into heaven? I, I feel that uh, the dead in Christ will hear his voice on the last day, no matter what. So I think we have other more important things to talk about. Oh, Ferg. All right. What do you got? To, what, what you got, Ferg? Oh, well, I mean, you know. <laughs> well, by the way, he's, he's, can, I, can I say something first? Please. Uh, he said that uh, he did mention the martyrs didn't really have a choice. Right. Right? And we do. So, I mean, <laughs> you know. So there's there's one pretty big difference. Second thing is is that that's actually what the Romans did. They By burning uh, Christians, they were actually taunting them and saying, let's see if your God can raise you up. And um, obviously he can. I mean, this is never questioning God's uh, omnipotence, right? That he has the ability to raise us up uh, from our ashes, right? This all, this has to do with a confession. What do we confess? And what is the best confession of the resurrection? And um, burial is definitely a better confession than uh, cremation. So, but uh, thank you for your uh, your your uh, messages. I dare say I don't know. You know, I got a job. You can keep leaving him, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> But you know Indeed. what? I'm, I, I got one more message, and it kind of led me to question his motive. To be okay. honest. All right. You want to hear that last message? Please. All right. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press one for more options. I'm going to be a star. <laughs> <laughs> You sure are. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
you're famous. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I was thinking about that the other day. Is like how many people have actually downloaded? I mean, our uh, podcast. Uh, about you know, well, we're getting getting close to five thousand. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I never thought it'd take off like this, and so it's, it's yeah been kind of a wild ride. So, well, I'm glad, uh, uh, caller, message lever, that we could be your launching pad into to stardom. Right. You know, if you wanna. You know, uh, start your own YouTube video. <laughs> what is that, Vidmo or whatever? Or is that done now? Yes, uh, Peter, if we can find this listener, we should we should get him on TikTok if you could ever understand it. I'll add him on MySpace. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. And we can make some Vine videos with it. Is Vine still going? No, Vine's dead. <laughs> okay, I thought so. <laughs> Didn't that die like back in 2017? Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. So uh thank you for the messenger messages, listener, and uh We appreciate it. <laughs> that uh so I don't have a top twelve and which is fine because you poor poor Berg, when was the last time you he had the joy of doing a blasphemy? I don't know, man. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. So this is gonna be a longer one and uh so Peter, play the intro. Berg's Bodacious Blasphemies is the part of the show where Berg seeks to sell you ancient damned illusions by repackaging them for modern consumption. In short, Berg makes bad stuff sound bodacious. All right, so this blasphemy I've been working on, and it's uh, the blasphemy of forgive and forget. Something you hear a lot, mm-hmm. right, is forgive and forget, right? Mm-hmm. And so this uh, this section really is covering that, and how that's really a misapplication of of what forgiveness actually is, okay? Okay. So uh, we're going to start with a reading from Matthew 18, 21, and 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Jesus wants us to forgive those who sin against us, those who betray us, those who inflict on us great harm. We are to forgive them even if they are ignorant of their sins against us or even if they refuse to recognize their sin. Jesus says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. In forgiving, we do not forget. Jesus himself did not forget the denial of Peter. Joseph did not forget the quarreling and hatred of his brothers. And yet Jesus and Joseph do not remember these sins in order to protect themselves. On the contrary, Jesus and Joseph remember these sins in order to warn, admonish, and comfort the sinner. Jesus asks Peter three times if he loves him, a parallel of Peter's threefold betrayal. Here we see Peter's restoration. Joseph does something similar. He remembers his brother's hatred and envy. And so after he forgives them and promises to provide for them and for their little ones, he gives them this warning as they are about to go back to Canaan. Do not quarrel on the way. Joseph remembers his brother's sin, not to guard himself, but to help them, to warn them, and to kill their old evil nature so that the new man might arise to live before God in righteousness and peace forever. You see, we do not forgive and forget. We forgive and remember that those who sin against us are sinners. They struggle with the flesh just as we do. We remember so that they might not be led into temptation just like we remember the struggles of an alcoholic. 
We don't bring an alcoholic to bars. Why should we tempt our neighbor with his pet sin? This remembering and admonishing is a natural outgrowth of the second table of the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. But how can we forgive without any thought of ourselves? How can we continually forgive those who sin against us? Listen to the words of the Apostle John. We love because he first loved us. While we were God's enemies, he loved us. While our imaginations were evil continually from our youth, the Son of God came to save, to redeem, to buy us back. While we fled from God and sought no reconciliation, God was already reconciling the world to himself through Christ. We have been forgiven much. We daily sin and deserve nothing but punishment. And yet our triune God continually, daily, and richly forgives us in this holy Christian church. Because we have been forgiven much, we strive to sincerely forgive and gladly do good to those who sin against us. When we struggle against the hate and hurt in our hearts, we always go back to the gospel. We sinned against the Son of God to the point of killing him, and yet he forgives us again and again and again. Okay, so so the whole idea is, it sounds like with forgive and forget, you forgive and you learn from it? Yeah, it's not just that you pretend like it never happened, because it did happen, right? Skin uh, Sins actually bear scars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, is that you don't remember these things in order to protect yourself. Like, up, oh, you know, if you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me, right? But we uh, remember these things so that way we can help them. So, for example, if you steal from me, I'm not going to leave my car unlocked. Not just for me, but for, for your you. sake, yeah, right? Um, if you have trouble with, um, peculiar sins, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you about them, right? I mean, as pastors, we do this kind of stuff, right? Right. In the confessional, right? When people come to us and they confess particular sins, we don't just pretend like these people have never confessed this sin before. And it is natural and right for us to ask, okay, how are you dealing with, you know, with these sins that you've brought up before in your past? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that God hasn't forgiven them. What it means is is that you struggle with this particular weakness of in in your nature, right? It, and I think uh, a lot of ways that's what the whole scripture is. You know, you, you mentioned Peter. You know, uh, his sins were placed in scripture that we may learn from them. I mean, the whole Old right. Testament would that exist? I mean, the whole thing is points to Christ through the right. the failings of the Israelite people mm-hmm. and and everyone around them, and so. So the whole scripture is, you know, many of the sins forgiven, but at the same time, given in such a way that we may uh, learn from them, mark them. Uh, I know you like the inwardly digesting them. Right. Well, there's something to be said about that, right? Because you are what you eat. Yeah. You know, that's why inwardly digesting them is much better because then you make it a part of you. But, But I think... I think what you're saying, though, is to to remember them in the light of the gospel, in the sense that I think the, the trouble that you might run into with this is is people having trouble uh, forgetting their own guilt and shame, mm-hmm. and and so so on the one hand, you want people to remember so that they may protect themselves from being led back into temptation, right. knowing their own weaknesses without carrying around the guilt 
of their past sins. Well, and I mean, so the perfect example of this is the Apostle Paul, right? Mm -hmm. He never runs from what he did in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He's very upfront in his epistles about that he was a persecutor of the Church of God, right? And yet he uh, believes that Christ has forgiven him, right? And he uses this as an example of God's extraordinary grace. He uses it to proclaim the unconditional forgiveness of sins, right? Um, yeah, can you be um, still guilt-stricken by what you've done in the past? Of course you can. David was the same way, right? Mm-hmm. That's what uh, Saul, That's what the Psalm uh, 51 is all about, right? Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's written after Nathan has already pronounced forgiveness on David. And David is never the same after his infidelity with Bathsheba mm-hmm. and with and his murder of Uriah. I mean, in fact, he's kind of a broken man. Right. He kind of lets right. people push him around. And there are people that he should have dealt with, like Joab and uh, Abiathar and Shemai. And he tells Solomon to deal with them because after this, David isn't the same king that he once was. And so that's the thing. Do people still struggle with this? Yes, they do. Um, should they know themselves and the, the their propensities towards certain and particular sins? Yes. Because the thing is, is like I think in our modern age, it's too easy for us to say, oh, yeah, well, we're all sinners. That, right. That doesn't tell me anything. That doesn't tell me anything about, okay, you know, what is self-examination, right? right? And if you, if you confront anyone to their sins, we'll... You know, when sometimes the first reaction is, well, aren't we all sinners? Yeah, and that's just a justification for the sin. Mm-hmm. That's not actually a just. That's not actually um, confessing that sin. And so, I would much rather deal with people who um, um, are actually struggling with the guilt, because then you can preach the gospel to them, rather than people having painted imaginary sins, right? And just saying, you know, oh, well, we're all sinners. We're all sinners. What sins have you com- committed? Right. Right. And, I mean, and that's where, where the benefit of, as you mentioned earlier, uh, private confession absolution. Right. Because it's not just just random or, you know, yeah, I'm a sinner. I plead guilty all, all sins without actually taking the law of God to heart. Yeah. And I mean, this is why even during the, the Reformation times, um, you had different church orders. They didn't have corporate confession and absolution. Uh, you went to private confession and absolution. Why? Because of this very thing. Everybody, well, I'm a poor, miserable sinner. Okay, yeah, I know. The Bible tells me. Now, what are your sins? Right? That 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 moment that we spend, you know, where we're silent for reflection and examination and stuff for God's word, you know, that's not just, you know, us taking a breather, right, in the service, right? right. You're actually supposed to be doing something. Right, you're actually supposed to be going through the commandments and being like, "Yep, I uh, I cursed a whole bunch of people today because some guy cut me off." Right, or you know, I really wasn't all that happy to come to church today. Or oh, you know, I really hated my parents because they you know enforced curfew. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, you know, that's the whole point: is that your sins actually have to be real. Um, and that's one thing we try to do in the sermon, for sure. Right. You know, we, we try to to get people to, to think about those things and, and uh, reflect on them, how they do that in the sermon, 
Um, and so pre- preaching is is not just you know saying okay you're all sinners so you need Jesus, but but to kind of right. sometimes walk them through the thought process to get at what the root problem is. But that is the problem too with the sermon is that it's still kind of shotgunning it with birdshot, right? Because not everybody is is uh, suffering from the same the same sins, the same maladies, right? Which is one of the reasons why you actually should, I don't know, talk to your pastors. Mm-hmm. This is one of the great reasons why you should actually take advantage of, uh, you know, a private confession and absolution. Because then you really do get that one-on-one care. And people really do want this, right? Mm-hmm. Because they say, hey, pastor, I want to talk to you, mm-hmm. right? And what do they do? They tell you all their fears, all their anxieties, all the things they're struggling with, which is confession. Confession, right? Because they don't trust God, right? Because they don't trust God above all things, because they're struggling with these things, because they're anxious, because they they have all these things. And what do they need? They need the gospel. Right. They need to know that they have a gracious God through Jesus Christ. Even after what has been... Has right. been heard exactly, yeah. You know, and so those are the things we we go through. Of course, you get a reset every single day. I mean, that's what baptism is. You but, die but, to yourself. But I would say, going back to your your blasphemy on uh, for, forgiving and forgetting, on the same hand, uh, just for the the listener there, one thing pastors actually are good at doing is, in a sense, forgetting. In the sense of if if you go to a pastor in confession absolution, you know. It doesn't really linger in our minds. No, we're the only thing we're going to feel for you is compassion. Right. Because we know ourselves. Right. And we know how wicked our own hearts because are. Because people are concerned about the dynamics that all of a sudden We're not going to treat you any different. Right. No. No. That's because we we proclaim forgiveness on the behalf of the hest of Christ. So And the thing is is you can't tell us anything that's going to surprise us. Why? We already know you're sinners. God, right. God's word tells us that. And we know what's in our own hearts. Right. So that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> you're not going to say anything to us that's, you know, shocking. It's like, oh no. yeah, you're a sinner. You know. Welcome to the club. Right. Welcome to the club. And so. and uh, and so one thing, you know, like you said, it is a godly thing that to be troubled by your sin in the sense that you want, you recognize that, that uh, you need forgiveness. Well, and then this brings us into sanctification. How do you get better if you don't know where you're weak? I mean, you say you clang and bang in the weight room, <laughs> right? Do you, you bet? Do you do you only do bench press? Uh, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Right. I mean, you work. I work on, on the lats. Work on the trapezius, the deltoids, right? Biceps, the triceps. And in order to keep all those muscles, right, some of those muscles get weaker I, than others, right? Yeah, I haven't been real good with leg day, I'll be honest. Right? And so guess what? I mean, the Christian life is this way, right? That you work on the things where you're weaker, right? That's what you do. And so what does that mean? That means actually, I don't know, reading the Bible about those particular things, about watching yourself around those particular things hey, that, that'd and be, the like. That'd be a good sermon title about don't skip leg day. Hey, you know, well, you know, unfortunately, some Lutherans today aren't very good about preaching sanctification because uh, they don't see it flowing out of the gospel. Yeah. You know, and that sanctification is putting to death the old man. 
And yeah, that was in, in my know, day at the seminary, way, way back when. That was always the, the fear. You had a lot of people who didn't want to preach uh, the third use of the law or sanctification in any kind of way. Vicar, what's the third use of the law? So the law has three uses, curb, mirror, and rule. And when we're speaking of the third use of the law, the rule is a sort of uh, the guide, how the law guides us as a Christian. It shows God's will. And, and the law is there uh, for the third use for our neighbor, to love our neighbor uh, in the ways that God directs us in his holy scripture. So so we learn from the law also how to, how to love live. one another. Right. You know, and that's not a bad thing, right? And we know that the power for that comes from the gospel. I mean, this is the whole point of the third of the third article of the large catechism, right? That we actually do increase in holiness. We do. So yeah, you're saying that the act the gospel actually does make us a new creation? What? No way. Holy buckets. Yeah. It's just a matter of not getting the cart before the horse. Right. And which, the, which comes first? The, the, well, and the thing is, is that uh, the more you actually increase in sanctification, uh, the worse you're going to feel because you're going to know how deep your evil goes. You know, it's kind of like a blind man, right? Uh, a blind man who slowly, his eyesight is slowly improving, right? And at first he's like, ah, oh, you know, it looks like trees are moving, right? Yeah. You know, and it's like, and then it starts to get sharper and sharper and you're like, Ah, uh, ah, uh, right? And then you see things that you don't want to see, right? And it's the same thing with the human heart. Um, you know, or... Um, another, another example is sometimes I've noticed when someone has a heart procedure of any variety, they say, well, I don't know, the doctor says I need it. And then they go, I didn't realize how bad I was feeling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as, they're, as they're beginning to improve. Right. You they know? said, I didn't realize how much energy I didn't have or whatever because they're starting to feel better. And I think... I think that you see your true self a little bit more clearly because we have no idea. You know, when, when Jesus transfigured before Peter, James, and John, it was a white that they had never seen before as though they had seen white, they had never seen white before. Right. And, and righteousness and purity. And so we, we tend to think we want to, we know what righteousness looks like. We know what purity looks like. We have no clue right. what it looks like. We have no idea. And so much the same way, you know, as you grow grow as a Christian and, and you, you reflect on you know more, uh, you, the more you know what, a, I mean, Luther is a prime example of this. You right. Know? I mean, when he was a monk, did, can you think of too many people who led, who sought to lead a holy life as he did at the time? Yeah. I mean, not really. I mean, he and St. Paul are alike in that, right? That um, they both tried to get their righteousness by the law and they, from, we're a lot better of, than most. Right. You know, <laughs> and yet, what do they do? They count it all as rubbish, right? As refuse, as uh, um, Paul says, as manure, right? It's all manure compared to the righteousness we receive from Christ. I like the way you say that. So, is that is that, is that uh, the the way a, a true uh, hog farmer says it? Well, you know, manure. I'm pretty. I always thought it was manure. I'm pretty classy that way. So, but then again, I, I'm the one that said we're drinking a, a cabernet. Salvignon. So, so yeah, it's good um, stuff. We need to do wine more often. Ha. 
So yeah, I mean, this has kind of gotten far afield, but I mean, that's the thing. You do, you don't simply forget as if these things don't happen because another part of this is that sin actually does have consequences. Right. right? It, it actually does. Um, just because you're forgiven doesn't mean that those consequences necessarily go away. Uh, like with David, right? Mm-hmm. His son still died and the sword never departed from his house. Right. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, when some was uh, a prisoner in in jail when his sins are forgiven, it doesn't mean he goes free. Right. I mean, there's still a a consequence. Right. I mean, otherwise, how could you ever discipline your children? Because obviously, you forgive them and love them. Mm-hmm. They still need to go in a timeout, though. Right. Right. I mean, and why is that? Because you love them, the Lord disciplines the ones whom He loves. Right. So, I mean. And we should discipline ourselves, right? We should judge ourselves, as 1 Corinthians 11 says, so that way we wouldn't be judged. Because one thing we have a habit of doing is this. And if you're listening, I want you to think about this, how you know your weakness, right? You know you know where your weaknesses lie. And, and I think we have trouble as sinners of closing the door on sinful opportunities. We'll know our weakness and we'll say, well, you know what? Um, you know, I'm pretty sure I won't do that again. So, but I'll leave the possibilities open. Right. Or, you I'll, know, I'll, I, I'll allow the temptation to linger on because, you know, uh, you know, I'll place myself in a, in, a, in a position where I know I have failed in the past, but this time is going to be different. Mm-hmm. I can resist it this time. Right. You know, and the thing is, is that that is, that is flirting with temptation. Right. I mean, that's kind of what Samson does, right? Mm-hmm. You know, with Delilah. You know, he kind of lies to her. He kind of plays cat and mouse for a little while. He plays patty cake with the devil. But finally, he gives in. Did he know better? Yes. Yes, yes he I did. mean, he married a Canaanite woman before, right? <laughs> and, you know, that's why, you know, and she betrayed him, Right. Uh, he went to go visit a whore in Gath, and they tried to capture him, and he tore down the gate, right? This has happened twice before, and he still doesn't get it, right? <laughs> and he thinks he can, you know, just wiggle his way out of it. Right. But, you know, and but finally, it catches up with him. So what you're saying is it doesn't matter how much you can clang and bang in the weight room. That... <laughs> I want to say yes. <laughs> See, I, I always picture Samson as just this scrawny little guy who just, you know, like Ben Steele. So. Okay. I, ra- rather than just, you know, this, because everybody's like, oh, this big muscular guy. It's way more impressive if he was just like some squirt who, you know, the spirit of God comes on him and he just starts tossing cars around. Right. You know, so. <laughs> Or chariots. Or chariots, right. <laughs> so, rips a lion in half. All right. So, uh, good talk, man. Vicar, would you like to add anything? That was a good look behind the collar. All right. All right. So, uh, um, what do you want to do, Pete? I've got a news at Bothersburg. Do you want to do a random Bible verse? Let's do the Bible verse, yeah. Okay. Do we have any theme music for this? Yeah, well, it's a uh, pair of concentration. Oh, oh is it? Nice. Yeah. I wish it was riding to the danger zone. <laughs> I mean, See, we, we, because, I mean, it would be kind of cool. It would be cool, but we have to find royalty-free music. Oh, that's right. Mm. So, so, anyways, Peter, play the intro.
Do you have impaired concentration? Then this is for you. It's the Impaired Concentration Bible Study. One verse, one verse only. I don't know. This music still does it for me. Still makes me happy. Well, I'm glad it does. <laughs> so we are done with Obadiah. And so what we're doing now... You're welcome, listeners. You're welcome. You're welcome. And uh, by the way, if we get enough emails requesting that we redo Obadiah... We definitely will. But we made it through. And uh, so we thought we'd try for our one verse, one verse only to do a random Bible verse. Because, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you were a child and you wanted to know what God had to say and you'd flip open the Bible and you'd always wind up pointing to a verse in Psalms because it seems like it always opened up on Psalms. You know, I never (laughs) did that as a kid, so. (laughs) Well, Well, now we're doing it. So Peter has this uh, online Bible randomizer that we're going to be using. All right. Peter, spin the randomizer wheel. Or push the button. (laughs) Click the mouse. All right. All right. What do we got today? Wow, you are not going to believe this. Obadiah. Obadiah. Hebrews 4.15. Okay. Can you read it? So it says, oh, I'm getting old. All right, there I can see it now. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. All right. All right. Well, that is an awesome, easy one, uh, which goes really with our forgiving and forgetting one, doesn't it? That we have a high priest, right? Because a priest's job, and this high priest is, of course, Jesus, Jesus, right? Um, the high priest in the Old Testament was the one who made sacrifices for uh, his sin first, and then for the nation's sin. And he was he was one of the the people who spoke on behalf of the people to God, to God, right? So a priest, the two main jobs of a priest in the Old Testament were sacrificing and praying, right? Jesus did the once-for-all sacrifice on the cross, right, for Mm -hmm. us. He is both high priest and victim, and uh, he continues to pray for us in his high priestly office today. And the thing is, is that this high priest uh, knows what we've gone through, right? He is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And that's one thing I think that uh, actually I was just talking about this in confirmation class is the two natures of Jesus. We need to remember that he was also a man. And so as soon as Jesus was baptized, he was driven out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If mm-hmm. I'm talking kind of weird, I had dental work done. So, um, Okay. <laughs> it's not the 2019 crimes life sentence that we've been sipping, but I really had some <clears throat> dental work done. Anyways, anyways, uh, when he was led out in the spirit to be tempted in the wilderness, he was hungry. Right. The, the temptations were actually Temptate. tempting to yeah. him. And uh, and so as a high priest, he really does understand because he really was tempted. It's like your favorite hymn, What If God Was One of Us? Yeah, right? I miss that one. Just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. Right. Well, and the thing is, is that he is one, one of us, us, right? I mean, he is one of us. Um, he is a man of sorrow. He is a man who had a pla- who didn't have a place to lay his head. He is a man who was buried in, in, in a grave that, that was borrowed, 
right? This was a man who wept over the death of his friends. He, he was a man who was hurt by others. And this is a man who got angry. He got angry he, over sin. He got angry he was, over, you know, things. He was betrayed by lots of people, a lot of people who are close to him, by one of his own disciples. And, and, and uh, the, the temptation for revenge was there, the temptation to... To, for a king, the devil made essentially for a kingdom without a cross. Do they have right. all these things? You know, if you just fall down and worship me, meaning you don't have to die. You know, all those things he understood because he himself went through them. It's funny because everybody's like, oh, yeah, Christianity, you know, you should be happy and smiley all the time. Do you see Jesus ever doing that in the Bible, hardly? Yeah. I mean, really, do you ever see Jesus really being happy? <laughs> Particularly, you're the person that would find that particularly offensive. I mean, you know, I mean, that's the thing. You've got all these pictures of Jesus laughing and blah, blah, blah. It's like he's never pictured in the Bible. Like the only time God laughs in the Bible is when he's laughing people to scorn, like the kings who are trying to like <laughs> plot against him, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It does say in a few places that, you know, Jesus looked at the rich young man and loved him, right? But Jesus is much more sad. In the Bible, he's much more angry, and that is our experience in the world. Now, aren't there some, by the way, some Bible trans people who exegetes who uh, who try and find out points where Jesus was using a sense of humor? Did you ever? I don't know. I, no, I don't. I don't know. I mean, if if any of you pastors out there who are listening know of any, I mean, Jesus makes fun of people. Yeah. I mean, he calls the Pharisees and the scribes whitewashed tombs. <laughs> I mean, you know. Right. Um, he uh, doesn't always, you know, he cares about people. He has compassion on people, mm -hmm. right? But is compassion happy? No. No, compassion is pity. And so going back, going back to the verse, right? Right. And so that's the thing is that Jesus feels all these things. Like, and you don't have to feel bad about feeling this way because Jesus has felt the same things you felt. Right? He knows disappointment. He knows anger. He knows fear. But he did all these things without sin so that you could be saved. And, and so he is the one, as a high priest, who pleads for you before the Father in heaven. He is the perfect high priest, sinless, yet one of us. He is the one who speaks for us as our high priest. His blood cries out for us. And so not only do we have a high priest who is one of us, who is born like one of us, 100% human as one of us, but also he is one who pleads for us before his Father in heaven. And so what what I like to think about in here is really that aspect, the two natures of Christ in here, mm -hmm. both God and man, and how how that's important for our salvation. Yep. So, all right. That uh, brings us to uh, news that bothers Berg. There's fake news. There's real news. Then there's real news that Berg wishes was fake. It's time to hear news that bothers Berg. <laughs> All right, so this is from World Religion News. And uh, the, the title of the article is Marching for Religious Interfaith. So, I, what does that even mean? Well, I'll let you know. So, so in this article, it says on September 22nd, as part of the, a celebration of International Peace Day. Was that a Sunday, 22nd? Um, of September? Yes. Yeah, that was my uh, w first wedding anniversary. So. Oh. So, so in honor of your, your wedding anniversary. So for every good, there has to be a... 
<laughs> just a balance. Well, right? the, well, uh, the article has a picture of a yin yang on it, so. Well, that's yeah, a little bit of Taoism, man. There, so so it says. I'm going to read this in the way it's meant to be read. Okay. In a world so full of noise, concern, and neglect, these marches were a testament to the fact that we can still come together and believe in one another. Ooh. In Los Angeles, we participated in one over 20 marches being held all around the world in California, Idaho, Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, New Jersey, other states, um, Palestine, Malawi, Pakistan, Uganda. Okay. Some of the speeches I felt were preaching to the choir with those in attendance were already aware of the need to learn about each other. How there, there was enough news sources to make it worth the effort and the attendance attendees added their weight to the words. So basically this was a march where they learned about the essential truths from each of their religious faith and how they, they walked together an interfaith solidarity march, strengthening diversity plurality and unity any <laughs> any <laughs> we, we, we do kind of may need to make this a youtube because the look on your face does not necessarily come through on the microphone so when members of different religions were asked what they hope to learn about their faith some interesting answers from baha'i the earth is but one country and mankind is its citizens from islam one day we can fully trust each other. There will be peace on earth. <laughs> Under the crescent. Uh, uh, Zoroastrian. Oh, yeah, yeah, from Iran. Life is sacred. Life is precious. You know, Christian, we, we didn't start the fire. Christian slash Protestant. Okay, so this is the one thing that they brought to the table, the, the Christian slash okay. Protestants. Love is a verb, not a noun. Love your neighbor as yourself. We forget that second part. Um, and uh, wicked. Oh, yes. Behold, all acts are love and pleasure are my rituals. Really comes back down to love, which is at the top of the uh, pentacle. And then finally, oh, oh wait, there's more. I forgot. Catholic from the Bible. And these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. At least it's from the Bible. Yeah, at least, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Shorn of any context. Um, uh, from the Sikh, it's a fragment sentence. <laughs> Understanding and respect. Uh, they don't need no verbs. Feilun uh, Gong. Do you know what that is? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, um, oh, I actually have a book at that on them. Uh, I'm in, not shocked. Yeah, I I haven't read it. I will say that, but okay. Fulong Gong sounds like uh, maybe something that'd be good with some rice and some yeah <laughs> soy sauce. You know, sounds like the sequel yeah. to the Mulan movie. Yeah, I would like a Fulong Gong with some egg drop soup. I mean, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> we should probably actually Vicar, What is this? Uh, what is this wacky religion that sounds like a Chinese dish? Oh, as he looks at that, I'll tell them what what their main thing was: compassion. Because if every one of us has compassion in one another's heart and treat each other with kindness, what a world we would have. F a l u n g o n g. Then it also has oh, this is interesting. 
one of the interfaiths was yoga. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because uh, it's not just stretching, but it's actually a, a spiritual, you know, discipline. Yeah, that's that's kind of thing. If yoga was invented in Iowa, they'd call it stretching. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Communion is the key to everything and oneself and stillness of your being and see your communion with all the light and all the part of the mighty source and respect and honor that oneness will bring peace on earth. Okay. That's a lot of talk from someone who's always trying to align his mouth with his (laughs) (laughs) So is that what like Uh, uh, crouching Can you reword that so we can actually air that line, Peter? (laughs) Nah, maybe I'll just bleep it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so, uh, and then the last one here is unification, living for the sake of others. So, Vicar, what is Feilun Gong? Feilun Gong is standard Mandarin Chinese for Dharma wheel practice or law wheel practice. It's very appropriate with our, oh, our Bible verse wheel yes. of the week. It's a Chinese religious spiritual practice that combines meditation and uh, certain exercises, uh, zingong, with a moral philosophy centered on the tenets of truthfulness, compassion, and forbearance. Okay, so no more another one with exercise. Indeed. How come they don't have any religions based on weightlifting, Berg? <laughs> mm. I guess they I do. It's called football. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the closest you'd get are probably the the Greek philosophers, the cynics, who okay. really revered uh, Hercules or Heracles, depending on whether you're Roman or Greek, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, who tried to live this natural her- heroic life. They're not the the cynical people that we we uh, we hear about today. So, all right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of the show. It's been an interesting journey. I hope so. A big thank you to our listener who keeps calling in. And we appreciate all of our other listeners. Mm-hmm. If you would like to get a hold of us, not uh, by answering machine, but by email or the Twitter or that sort of stuff. Vicar, where can they reach us? They can find us at Clerical Errors on Facebook. They can follow us at, at Clerical Errors P for podcast on Twitter, or they could email us at clericalairs.org or find us on any one of those podcast apps as you make your drives in your work life. All right. And we wanted, I want to dedicate this. We didn't dedicate this one. We didn't. I would like to dedicate this to uh, Pastor Carney. Why Pastor Carney? Because he is, Sunday will be installed as a military chaplain in the army. Nice. And so... Uh, uh, he'll be leaving our neck of the woods and going to Fort Drum. So, uh, uh, God be with you and your family as you, you go and do that. And I know you'll be listening. So no doubt. So, all right. Well, thank you for listening to clerical errors. I'm Berg. I'm Bullhagen. Shoot for the moon because he knew if he missed, you're amongst the stars. There you go. <laughs> that works. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? 
You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.